So tonight um, we're starting John chapter 1, verse 40 is where we're going to start, and I'm going to read a section, and then we'll talk a little bit about that. Sound good? And uh, anybody that has questions or comments, please send those in. We'll address those and we'll talk about those as we move through. But we'll read this first section and then we'll talk a little bit about it and talk about some of the truths that are in there. And then we'll just kind of move on to the next section. So just kind of walking our way through the book of John, which is really neat because a lot of times, you know, we, we may know some of these stories, but to read them at points can really bring them alive again and see things differently because, it, you know, the, the truth and the power of God's word, there's always something new. There's always something new. Um, but we'll go ahead and get started. I'm going to read, start reading at verse um, 40. I'm reading out of the NIV. And uh, the, the scriptures say, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard that John had said, had heard what John had said, and who f- had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Andrew and to tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from here? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. Now it's neat to see, I'm just going to pause there, but it's neat to see how these individuals had run across Christ. And had experienced him on different levels. Some were heard things that he said, some watched him and who he was. Um, but that experience with Jesus made these people go tell others. And I find it really interesting that that personal connection, that personal experience with Christ makes you go tell about him. Yeah, when you see something or you experience something life-changing like that, you want to share it with others. And that's exactly what they were experiencing, though their lives were going to change even more <laughs> yeah, this as was time t- went on. This is the tip of the iceberg, right? Right, right. But they, in their spirit, they knew that there, well, they knew that the Messiah would be coming. Yes. They had read the scriptures. But to know that here he is in their midst, too. Right. That's exciting. It really is. Yeah. It really is. When you, when you run into, and it's almost like this. It's kind of like <clears throat> when, when you're at the grocery store and you run into somebody that you know and that you, you care about or a family member, you run into them and it's neat. You have a quick conversation. Maybe it's somebody that you hadn't seen in a while or somebody that you had wanted to run into or that you wanted to see. You know, you run in, you talk to them, and you get a chance to spend some time with them. But then, you know, you get home and it's the first thing out of your mouth to go, hey man, guess who I ran into at the store today? Yeah, you know, exactly. And it's a lot like that um, here, but it's like there is this thing that happens with Christ and, and so many of us have experienced it that when you run into him and you experience who he is there's a penetration of your heart that makes an impression 
it just stamps you. And, and it's like, you know what? You take that moment and it becomes part of your story and it becomes a part of your life. And so then when somebody says, hey, do you know about Christ? Or it, then you have these moments to share. It's at this point that I saw him. It's at this point that he interacted in my life. It's at this point that he proved to me who he was. And those are the stories that bubble up out of us the yeah. living water that, right, bubbles to the surface of, of who we are so that it spills out of our mouths so that we can share that with other people. And that's what we're seeing here with the disciples who were just, like you said, just getting started. Yeah, yeah they <laughs> had no started. idea what was coming. But, but it is so true because we can so quickly just look past, okay, Andrew called Peter and Philip and Nathaniel, but it's more than that. It's that interaction with Jesus and knowing who he is and sharing it. Yes. That's what really makes it unique. And that's something that we can do too it in does. our own lives. It does. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You can be no. just the person you are. That's right. And that's what makes it, because these guys were not Bible scholars. <laughs> no, they By weren't. any sense of the imagination. No, which gives me hope personally. Yes, it does. <laughs> right, but so right. it's. <laughs> but it, one of the things that I, I that I love is you know after these things you know even in, in Nathaniel and Nathaniel's response I love it, because it's one of those things to where in in my life and watching God work and what He's done in my life is like. He comes out of nowhere. It's when I least expect it, yeah. and it, it just it, He blazes onto the scene when you don't ever, ever think about that. So you're thinking about something else. You don't see it coming. And that's part of what Nathaniel says. He's like, Nazareth, are you kidding me? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, here we're looking for this Messiah to come, right? You know, and he's going to rule and reign, and he's going to take over, and he's going to do all of these great things. But you're telling me that he's coming from Nazareth. And, and, and so Jesus comes out of nowhere, least expected, not anticipated, and perceivably on the outside, average. And all of a sudden, everything shifts. Everything. And I, I love that part because it's one of those things to where we oftentimes have this idea that if God's really going to use us, it's going to be in some huge, great, glorious fashion. And right. that we need to get to that point. It's kind of like what you were just saying, you know, you did, sometimes we believe that our, the deepest relationship that you can have is when or after you've become a Bible scholar. Exactly. You know? Right. Well, that's what we, we sometimes put that upon ourselves. We that do. I, I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not, you know, whatever it may be, whatever title we want it to be. I'm not a Bible scholar. I've never read the Bible. But when you experience Jesus, you can... That's you right. don't need to be because God works through you. And, you know, even though this was just the beginning for them, they're already making an impact on one another. Right. You know? Good point. Yeah, that's right. And it's, and it's, with, the cl it's with their closest well, yeah. brothers. I mean, you know, they're, they're, it's within their circle. Exactly. Yeah. So to say. So it's like that, that, <laughs> that Jesus is the rock in their pond. Yes. We talked about that often. Yes. But, you know, Jesus is the rock in their pond, and they're allowing that ripple effect to go. 
And it's okay, even though it's from someplace they would never expect. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that really puts the Lord on display yeah. is when it was, it's out of the blue. Yeah. It's out of the blue. And, and oftentimes when we say something like, you know, it's out of the blue, it really happens in their everyday life. And I think that's yeah. another point to pick up here is that, Absolutely. you know, they're just going about their everyday life, walking through the mall, going through the drive through at McDonald's or wherever. You know, it's just everyday life and Jesus enters. Absolutely. And, and we, need to ha- we need to be looking or allowing that. Maybe that's the better word. Uh, yes, allowing that. And uh, if I may, if you strive to become this person that is like a Bible scholar, and you got to tell everybody about Jesus, those are the people that can sometimes push others away. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you come off too strong, especially if you, if you come off as a, I'm better than you, or you've got to repent and go, or you're not going to heaven, that can sometimes come off as, I want to do just the opposite. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And Jesus simply just comes on, and he calls them, and they start sharing with one another, not in that, hey, you've got to meet this guy or you're going to hell. It's, hey, we found the Messiah. It's, right. There's excitement in it, and it's yes. natural, Yes. and it's not forced. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, in that, too, it's like there, there's a couple key things that, especially today or, you know, this time, this season that we're in, you know, th- we need hope. Yeah. You know, we need encouragement, um, and we don't need condemnation. Right. But we need hope and we need encouragement. We need that that understanding of grace and love um, yes. at a at a deeper level. And and it's really to when we come alongside, and that's a lot of what we're seeing here just in this passage, is is these individuals, they come alongside one another and they're like, Hey, guess who I met today? You're not gonna believe this, or you've got to see this. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things of come see, you know, there's hope, there's encouragement, there's there's this joy about it. And, and that's part of where we are in society today. And what's taking place today is that I, I firmly believe that we as, a, as the church, big C, the, that the church has an opportunity to step into their rightful place of position. I really yeah. do. And, yes. it's, and it's through those things of being Jesus to the world. And that's what Jesus was doing to Andrew's world and to Philip's world. But he was being himself, and, and, and he injected who he was into their world. And it changed them and those around them. Absolutely. And it wasn't forced. No. At all. It wasn't. Not expected, but accepted. Yes, definitely. Really, really neat. So... We end up with, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Verse 46, and Philip says, come and see. So, Phil, do you want to take the next next passage, starting at verse 47? Sure. I'm reading out of the NASB. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? (laughs) Jesus answered and (laughs) said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, 
I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Wow. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I love it. I, I mean, how many, how many, you know, there are so many sentences or even parts of sentences here that, that we could just talk about forever. And one of one of my favorites. I'm just gonna, if I can just share one of my favorites in that passage that that you wrote, that you read was out of uh, verse 48. How do you know me? <laughs> yeah. You How know. Do you know me? So, if we again, I'll use the word allow. If we allow God to infiltrate our life, will we not get to that point? Absolutely. So how do you know me? What does that mean to you? How do you know me? Yeah. Well, okay, there's, there's knowing of someone. Okay. And then knowing them. And it's different. And obviously, Nathaniel realizes that Jesus didn't just know his name. He knew about him. Nathaniel thought he was alone. And he's like, how do you know? I mean, is more likely, is Nathaniel's, it's a, a Hebrew idiom, to be under the fig tree means to be studying the word of God. Right. Okay. Right. So Nathaniel probably thought he was all alone. Nobody around, and, you know, maybe perhaps he was all alone mm-hmm. and nobody around. And he, Jesus knew that he was studying. Wow. And, okay, now you don't just know of me and know my name. You know that I'm studying about you which he later comes to know as, you are the son of God. Yes. And it's just, when you know that God knows you, that changes everything. I mean, it's one thing to say, I know God. It's another thing to say, I have a relationship with God, and he knows me. And, you know, we we know the passage, he knows all the hairs on our head, right? That was not a joke. What? Why are we the look you gave me? <laughs> or the lack thereof. But okay, his eye is on the sparrow. <laughs> there we go. But no, I mean, it's one thing to just say it, but then to sit back and think, God knows yeah. every single hair of my head. Mm. And he loves me and he knows me. I want to know him now. Yeah, that's right. You know? it, it, do, it draws you into him. Yeah. And, and just like with our friendships and, and any relationship you have with a spouse or a child or, or whomever, when, when love grows and you know the person deeper on a more intimate level, right? it's different than just saying, oh, yeah, I saw so-and-so at the store or at the that's mall or whatever. That's true. It's that connection grows stronger. So... Here, Nathaniel mm. is getting that connection growing um, almost immediately by knowing, by realizing, you know me. Right. It's not just you know my name. You know me. That's powerful. Yeah. That is powerful. I love it because it, it shows 
It does. It shows that um, it shows the intimacy in which yeah. at which God um, knows us, and that He wants us to know how intimately He does know us. Yeah, and it just it does it it um, it draws you in. It just it sucks you in to this this intimacy with Him. Absolutely, you know it really does. And um, so then we get to know Him because He's more than willing to show us who He is. So. It's really powerful. It really does. It sets the stage for our relationship with him and, um, and helps us and pr- prepares us for, for the days to come. Yeah. You know, it yeah. really does. It really does because especially like the time we're living in right now, mm-hmm. you know, you can be scared. You can have, be full of anxiety. And I know many of you are, but if you stop and think for a moment how much God knows you and I'm not saying he's going to supernaturally protect you from getting the coronavirus, because some of us may get it. But he knows, and he's going to help you through. He's going to take you through it, just like he did Daniel, just like he did David in the cave. That's right. There's countless times that he did this. So knowing that God knows us should give us the strength to be able to face each day that we live in a a time of not knowing what's going to happen next. Right, right. The f- the fear of the unknown cannot trump the one who knows. Absolutely. You know, it he just knows exactly. Yeah. He really does. And there, you know, and this is a couple of things. You know, just what what he shared with Nathaniel is that you know that I saw you where you were. Mm-hmm. Man, how, what does that not speak volumes? It's like you know, Ian, I see you and I know where you are. You know, put the extra cookie back. <laughs> but it's like you know I do he sees oh, me where, he sees me where I am he sees what's going on in my life um, he not just he doesn't just see me physically and, and here's the two things too it's like you know Jesus talks about um, seeing Nathaniel physically I saw you under the fig tree and yeah. I saw what you were doing yeah. but he also talks about I see where you are in your heart because yeah. he says here in verse 37 he goes in whom there is nothing false. Yes. So it's I see you for, who you for where you are physically, but I also see your heart and where your heart sets. And so it's those times where, you know, I might be at my home and I might be dealing with anxiety and the fears of, of the things that are around us for today. Um, and I might be dealing with those things and God can just pierce through all of that and go, Ian, I see where you are and I see where your heart is. Let me minister to where you are. I will reach you where you are. Wow, that's good. Isn't that wonderful? That is. Because it's like bo- it takes care of both of us, it, me physically and spiritually. And, and God sees all of those things, and he can speak exactly to where even where you are tonight. And he can see where you are. He can see physically where you stand or where you sit. But he also sees the position of your heart. Yeah. And he'll reach out and take care of that and take care of you where you are. Absolutely. No matter where you are. That's right. I mean, it, so many people say, well, God can't love me because of what I've done. No, he knows. That's right. And he wants to bring you past that. That's right. Bring you out of that. Yeah. That's why I, I, I keep saying the supernatural thing that he's, he's not going to necessarily protect all Christians. He's going to bring them out of it. Right. Bring them through it. Exactly. And, and there again, it goes back to Nathaniel because Jesus is talking to Nathaniel and he says, you know, I saw you where you were under the fig tree, but you will see 
greater things than that. So not only where you are, Nathaniel, as far as where you're sitting under the tree physically, where your heart is, but I'm letting you know what your future holds. What your future holds. And that's powerful. I mean, there's so many times, even for myself, is to be able to go, you know what? I can trust him because he sees me where I'm at. And if he can see me where I'm at, then he can see where I'm going. Absolutely. And that he's going to walk me through, just like what you were saying, through what I'm facing into what he has for me. Absolutely. Great truth. Great truth. Do you want to start with chapter two? Yeah, we can. What do we got? Miracle of Canaan? We got, um, oh, there's a lot there. I know. Well, we won't get through it all. Okay, well, let's get started. But yeah, let's go ahead and get started. All right, why don't you go ahead and you just read through where you want to go, Phil. All right. With this and we'll talk about it. Well, actually, I want to stop with the first verse. (laughs) On the third day, (laughs) there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And I just want to stop briefly because I want to explain the third day. On the third day, I mean, if you just pick up the Bible and you immediately start reading John chapter 2, you read on the third day. What was the first and second day? Great question. (laughs) Well, if we go back to verse 35. (laughs) You're going to tell us, right? I I am going to tell you. Awesome. John chapter 1, verse 35. Now, I know this does say, again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Mm -hmm. This is the baptism of Jesus. So if we consider that day one, okay, we get to verse 43. The next day, he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip and Jesus. So we have the baptism of Jesus. We have the calling of the disciples. And on the third day, there's a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Mm. Okay, so my point is, we can't just take chapter two because somebody decided we're going to end John chapter one and we got to start John chapter two because we want to put verses and chapters to it. It it flows together. You got to kind of go back and forth through it. But anyway, let's continue reading. Verse two, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does, this, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. Hmm. And I'm just going to stop right there for a moment. Okay. So let's talk about that. All right. Um, If I may. Sure. The wedding in Cana of Galilee is very important. Um, John does point out that they are Jewish customs of purification in verse 6. Cana, I'm sorry, Galilee was in Judea, and it was uh, uh, a time, it's it's modern-day Israel, but um, it's very important to understand the custom of this wedding because it comes into play later on in the book of John, um, mainly when we get to John chapter 14. But I'm I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I just want to say that 
the fact that there was a wedding, okay, when we read any of the Gospels, mm-hmm. we read about a wedding banquet, and it's for God's people. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and I really believe that John specifically was trying to set up to say that this is important, that there's this wedding on the third day, which wow. is very symbolic. Yes. Um, and the, the custom of the wedding will come into play with the wedding banquet and so on. But it, it was very important. The wine was very important as well. Because one thing that the, it's not in the Bible, okay? But one thing that the groom says to the, to the um, bride, mm-hmm. when he, the groom will give the bride some wine and will say, I will not drink of this again until I do so in my father's house. Now, that's not exactly what Jesus said. He said, I, when he mm-hmm. instituted the communion, he said, I will not drink of, partake of this again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of heaven. But it's, there's a lot of symbolism there that, you know, I don't necessarily know we have time to get into tonight, but yeah, it's something to really think about. <clears throat> Where I'm going with this is John wasn't just writing down a tale. He was trying to prove to us that Jesus is the Messiah, and he's right. tying in this event, which starts Jesus' public ministry. Exactly. And, you know, we're going to talk about that in a moment, but he ties it into the end of his ministry as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really a setup. Yeah. You know, it, it really is, but it's, it's, it's to, it's kind of like the, the shot across the bow. It's, it's, it's getting us and getting our hearts prepared yeah. for the realities of what's coming. Yeah. And, and, and getting us ready to go, oh, man, I really understand, and I get a better picture of the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection, and, and all that's coming. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful setup. It really is. Premonition, or if you will, it's, it's a preparation, a foreshadowing. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to yeah. say, a foreshadowing of what's coming. That's great. So... Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. We are invited to the wedding yeah. of God. The, we are the bride mm-hmm. of Christ, married to the groom, Jesus himself. So it's a good thing that we are invited. And, you know, wine may not have a part in weddings today as it did back then, but it was a big deal for the wine to run out. It was a big deal. Yeah. It was almost an embarrassment for the wine to run out like that. Exactly. And, you know, I, I'm going to let you take over there because I feel like you've got something you want to say about this. Oh, no, actually, actually no, there's another part that I, that I was going to focus okay. on. But, um, <coughs> um, but the embarrassment yeah. side of things. Um, we've all been there. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I'm not going to ask anybody to tell stories, especially you. <laughs> but really, you know, we it can it can get to that point of of just an embarrassment, and and at times maybe it's it's our own life as a whole that you know we've gotten to a point of where we're not doing what we should be doing, and we know what, and some of us, myself included, at, at points have known what our calling is or our purpose is, and and we haven't fulfilled that, and the only one that can save me. Is Christ? Is Jesus, yeah. That's right. 
Jesus is the only one that can pull me out of that position. Um, so many of us, um, in going through that, we, we get to this point of, well, we've tried this and we've tried that, and, and we, we're trying to make this work. And, and on so many levels, this one um, phrase out of um, the fifth verse where Mary is talking to the servants. Gotcha. Five words out of the NIV. Five words. Do whatever he tells you. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I, I have tried to make it work. I have tried this. I have tried that. And it just gets to that point where your things are going badly and to get out of that, do whatever he tells you. It just comes down to the submission, mm. surrender, and the humility to be obedient to what he tells me to do. That's going to fix my life. Yeah. There are so many times when we want to be in control. That's right. That's we right. Feel right. like, and, and some of it's pride. It is. Uh, some of it is you, you don't want to be embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And we just, or, you know, perhaps we just feel like we can't afford it. Whatever it may be. Yeah. But when we do, just do what he tells us to do. Yes. No matter what the cost, whether it be a financial cost or societal cost, no matter the cost, if we just do what he tells us to do, we will get ahead. Yes. And now, notice I didn't say we will always succeed, okay? Because let's face it, when you become a Christian, you don't always just succeed automatically. Mm -hmm. There are still failures in life. Right. And, but when we do what he tells us to do, mm -hmm. we move forward. We do. We do. It we really get past. Yes. And I think that I, we get past our pasts. Yes. You know, and, and he does position us for our future. Yeah. And, and he leads us into that. But see, once we start doing those things of what he tells us to do, then it, it becomes who we are. You want to obey. You want to please him. And it's a process. Yes. It's a process. Yes. It's not something that all of a sudden... Poof. Absolutely. No, for some it is. And, and God has that right to do whatever he wants to do Absolutely. when he wants to do it. Right. But part of that is, is being um, trained to follow that. Right. It's just to follow and, and to do what he says, and we move in that. And then we see the effects of it, which kind of gets back to what we were talking about earlier, because we run into him, and we see the effects of his working in our life. And it becomes more natural for us to leave the old, step into the new, and, and to follow where he's taking us and to follow his lead. It really does. Absolutely. It's, it's a life changer. It is. It is. <coughs> really it a life changer. It is. I like how it says here, his mother said to the servants, <coughs> whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of pur purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. I don't want to get too far into this, but the number six is very significant here. Okay. Because 
the number six is the number of man, mm -hmm. okay? And this is a human mistake to run out of wine. There's six pots there symbolizing that it, this is a man's mistake to not have enough. Okay. But we're going to take the six. He's going to put water into them. Water, very important too, being the water of life. Mm. John talks about water a lot. <laughs> a lot. In his yes, uh, he does. And in fact, I believe in every single book, at least the first eight that I can think of, he talks about water in some regard. Maybe beyond that, but I know I've only gone through verse eight chapters. He talks about water, very important. But then they filled him up to the brim, and he said to them, "Draw out now and take it to the head waiter." So they took it to him. So hmm. Jesus is saying. He's telling them what to do. They're following his instructions. Now we take it to the person in charge. And that's where we pick up with verse 9. Is it okay if I go on? Or yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll go on for a little bit, and then we'll go yeah. ahead and, and, and get ready for the next, go to the next week. Yep. Sounds great. When the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs, this beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum and he and his mother and his brothers and his disciples and stayed there for a few days. Okay. So, a little trickery that often would take place at the uh, weddings. <laughs> yeah. Give them the, the good wine to get them nice and drunk, and then you can give them the cheap stuff. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Thank goodness God doesn't do that with us. Oh, my word. Amen. Jesus gave the best. Yes. He always gives us the best. And sure, he turned water into wine, thus starting his public ministry, mm -hmm. but he always gives us the best. Yeah, he does. All right. Um, mm. That's great. I love, too, when the, um, the servants, <coughs> Jesus said to fill the jars with water, and they filled it to the brim. Oh, yeah. Man, to the top. To the top. It's like all, yeah. all or nothing, man. You know, just go ahead and just put it out there. All or nothing. Right. Fill it to the top. And I, I, I do. I love that. It's one of the things, too, that, that we... All of us have to face because there are things that God's going to tell us to do. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's like, are you going to do it halfway? <laughs> or are you really going to sell out? Are you really going to take it all the way? And it's just one of those things that will build our confidence and our trust and our faith to just do it. You know, that, that, is, that is such a good point because it goes back to the whole control thing. Yeah, you it know? does. I know in times of my life where I know God told me to do something, and boy, I can think of examples in the Bible of this too where people have done this, and you feel like in your, you think in your mind, well, there's no way I can do that, so I'm only going to do what I know I can do. But God's oh. saying, no, I want you to fill it to the brim. Yes. Like you said to Moses, I want you to talk to the rock. Not strike the rock the second time. Talk to the rock from the book of Numbers chapter 24, I believe. So 
there, we have to be careful that when, when Jesus says, like when you pointed out those five words, when he gives us five words, do what he says to do. When he tells us to do it, do it. Yeah. Because if he's telling us to do it, we're not going to fail. Now, earlier I said, I'm not going to say you're not going to fail. But the reason I said that was because I knew that I know my own experience and I know all of us will try to hold back a little thinking that we are going to fail. And then when we have that minor success, we are like, yay. But God says, no, you failed because you didn't go all the way. Yeah. I mean, not failure, but you didn't go where I wanted you to go. And we miss out on blessings that way. We do. When we don't surrender to him fully. Mm -hmm. But when we do, he really takes us farther. He really he does. He gives us the best wine. Yeah. <laughs> he does. He, he does. And, and it's just, it, it, it's testimony to how much he loves us. Absolutely. How much he cares Absolutely. about us. And, the, and that he doesn't want his kids settling for second best. Absolutely. You know, he just, he really doesn't. Just wants to, wants to bless us and love us. And, and even in our taking the half steps and, and those type of things too, um, he works us through it and he loves us through it. You know, he really does. Absolutely. He really does. Well, that's great. We ended up, where did we end up? Um, we end of verse 12. Yes, yeah, so we'll start with verse 13. Okay, so in two weeks we'll be back um, here, uh, 7 o'clock, and uh, we will be back in John chapter 2. We'll start with uh, verse 13. This concludes this podcast.